It's always nice to know how richly blessed we have been, the fact that we do have a loving Savior that we are striving to encourage to hold our hands as we walk through this life. Sometimes it has its ups and sometimes it has its downs, and we're grateful for each day that God has blessed us with. Several things going on, again, that most of you are aware of, just to be mindful again. Uh, Walterine wanted to make sure that we understood that Hubert was having some surgery on Tuesday. And I'm sure that Hubert would want you to know that Walterine is having a birthday on Wednesday. She's only going to be 91. I won't say how old she's going to be. And Sister Sanchez had a, her baby had a birthday today. Uh, you have to figure out which one that one is. I was going to make a comment on that, but I just figured I'd leave that one like it is. But we're grateful for the fellowship that we have in Jesus Christ, for the love that binds us together. The reminder to us of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, the challenge that he has given to us to strive to be faithful to his word, to live a life that would be pleasing in his sight, in order that we may indeed one day have that eternal home with him in heaven. Learning how to deal with authority is a challenge, but it is an ultimate concern that we have as to how we live our life. And we see this brought out a little bit by Jesus in the Gospel of John and in chapter 17. The problem we have is that as Americans... We have been granted a privilege to be able to challenge or to question authority. If we feel that it's being abused to question that and to challenge it and to try to rectify it. And it's hard for us at times to understand that that's our right as Americans to do this. But what we do have a problem with is understanding that that right is not granted to us when it comes to God. We do not have the right to question God's authority. We do not have the right to question what God has required or spoken for us in the life that we are to, de to, to live. He is supreme, and ours is to listen indeed to his will. As Americans, we have that tendency periodically to, uh, shall I say, be selective in the laws that we choose to obey or to follow somewhat without stretching them a little bit. Been amazing just recently, I've noticed it maybe a little bit more recently than I have before. It's always been there, I understand that. Of individuals who believe that as long as nobody's coming, when they come up to a stop sign, if nobody's coming, they do not need to stop. They just keep on going. And I've seen a number of that just recently. They just blow right on through those stop signs. Or they see a car coming and they don't want to wait for that car. They go right through that stop sign, don't bother to stop. Or if they stop and the car in front of them stops and then both of them go. Because they've already stopped one time. They don't think they need to stop the second time. We can become selective. 
Do we do that at times with God's Word? Do we really become sometimes selective as we look at God's Word? Jesus, as he's beginning to close out his life, takes some time to petition his Father in John 17. He spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. A time has come. When God would glorify His Son. It's not in the way that we would expect, is it? It's going to be the crucifixion on the cross. It's going to be His death. It's going to be His burial. And then on that third day, it's going to be the resurrection. It would be able to glorify the Father in the sense that the Son, although equal with God, and submitted himself to God and doing the will that the Father had already laid out. Do we see the, ob- the obligation being laid out for us? Jesus, being equal with God, submitted himself to God and doing the will that God wanted him to do. Are we willing to do that in our lives? Are we willing to understand that need for submission? The Father would be glorified, and the Son would glorify the Father in what was to be done. Again, Jesus, as the Son of God. You have given Him authority over all flesh. Kind of reminder of us, if you will, of the Great Commission, as we call it in Matthew 28 and verse 18. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. He has the authority. But he also recognized the final authority of the Father. But it has been given to him. Are we willing to listen? Or do we try to be the final authority? Do we try to be the one who makes that final determination as to what we see as primary, what we see as important, what we see as necessary, what we see as that which would be pleasing to the Father? We want to decide what that is rather than letting God, who's already decided what that is, Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus has the authority that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. That he has that authority to give. It's not up to us to decide who has or who does not have eternal life. God has already decided that. He's already given that authority to Jesus of who would have eternal life. Can we then challenge God 
At times we seem to want to do that. We, we seem to want to question that authority of who God is and what he has said and to whom he has spoken his words that we have recorded for us in the scriptures. To think that we can say, well, yes, that's what God said. Everyone who believes in Jesus and everyone who obeys the gospel of Jesus Christ will find salvation. And the one who does not believe will not be saved. But we want to challenge that at times. Again, we're accustomed to that in our world. We're accustomed to modifying the laws and the regulations that we have. You take time to look at our history. You take time to, to read down through and to see how many laws we have changed and modified in our country in the last 200 plus years and how we constantly are challenging and changing those laws even today, trying to find new definitions, trying to find new meanings of what we want to do in the life that we live. And again, if we're not careful, we try to bring that into Christianity. And we try to sometimes soften what God has said and try to not make it as harsh as it seems. But Jesus and God are very plain in what they have to say. Jesus said back in chapter 14 of John in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but through me. I was going through some of my files the other day. I'm trying to thin them out. But the pile for thinning out doesn't seem to be as high as the pile that I keep. And I'm trying to get that reversed somehow. But anyway, I'd come across a brochure that I had mentioned, I've mentioned down through the years of a speaker that I heard at the University of Michigan years ago speaking on is there one way or are there many ways to heaven? And as I heard him speak for two and a half hours, the conclusion that he came up with, this is a well-known religious theologian. There is one way to heaven for you, and there's one way to heaven for you, and there's one way to heaven for you, and there's another way for heaven for you. You just take your pick as which one you want to follow. Basically, that was the only way that he was going to walk out of that auditorium, walk out. But is that what God says? I am the way. Very exclusive. And I am the truth. There is no other. And I am the life. There is no other. Only through Jesus is there, found, is there salvation found. We might not like that. It makes us look 
arrogant. It makes us look narrow-minded. It makes us look egotistical to condemn a world that for the most part has chosen not to acknowledge Jesus in any way or to acknowledge him very superficially and to say, I am bound by what God has said in his word. I'm not free to alter it. Again, as an American, I'm accustomed to that. I'm accustomed to modification. We are doing that in our country right now. There are Bibles being produced, being published, that have completely changed the message that is contained in the Word of God to make it sound more appeasing and more acceptable to those who have chosen to live a different lifestyle than what the Bible has to say. And so the responsibility is there of biblical authority, of understanding what it means and, what it, and how we are bound to it if we choose to be those that would be pleasing to God. He has authority over all flesh. It wasn't just the Jewish flesh. It just wasn't over the people of his day. It just wasn't over those that were in the proximity of Jerusalem. It was over all flesh. Since God is the creator of all flesh, and since he is the sustainer of life of all flesh, all flesh owes an allegiance to him, whether they want to acknowledge that or not. And this is the eternal life, that you may know you, the only true God. There is only one true God. The world wants to tell you that there are many, and that you are free to choose the one that you want. As long as you're true to the one that you have chosen, that's all that matters. But God's word says there's only one true God. There are none like him. There is none to replace him. There is none that is equal with him. And again, that seems harsh. Until really, if you want to, to take the time to reread, if you will, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. And it will give you a different perspective, if you will, on the world, of an understanding of a world that has known that there is a God. There's not a society that exists on the face of this earth that has, that is, or shall be that does not recognize and realize that there is something greater than we. The question is, who is it or what is it? And if it's clearly stated and can be shown that it is the true God of heaven and that he has spoken to his creation and that he believes that his creation owes him an allegiance, then a responsibility then falls on us as to whether we will follow him, believe him, and be convinced that he indeed means exactly what he has said. Not only is he the true God, but Jesus Christ is the one whom this true God has sent. His name means Savior. 
He is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the one uh, prophesied in the Old Testament, the one who would take away the sins of the world, that God has indeed sent him. And Jesus, again, in his prayer to his Father, within hearing distance, if you will, of his disciples, then being recorded for us to be able to have access to that, to read or to hear that prayer that Jesus offered just before he was crucified. Here's what was important to him, is that we have an understanding of what, was, what has taken place. We are the beneficiaries, and we have the privilege of being able to have full access to the completed revelation of God. They did not have that at the time. But we have access to it and to have the preservation of it for us to be able to look at today. But again, Satan knows that. Satan knows that those who want to believe God want to be bound by this word and are not inclined to accept anything else. And so Satan has again been active and is active in trying to pollute, to change this word. To make it say something that it does not say. And we've grown up in a society that allows us to believe whatever you want to believe. And to follow whatever it is you want to follow. Again, I have Bibles that have the name Bible on it. In my office, that has altered the Word of God tremendously. Left out passages at will. Changed what it's had to say. In order to find those who will pick that book up and simply because it says Bible on it, will read it. And believe what it has to say. Because it says Bible and they read in there that God says this is what you can do. Then I'm willing to do that. And it's a challenge for us. Again, we've been accustomed to accepting and making changes in our country. And we want to do that in the area of religion as well. And we cannot do that. I am bound by the word of God. I'm not free to alter it. I'm not free to change it. I'm not free to modify it. Nor am I free to ignore it. If I do ignore it, it's at the peril of my soul eternally. Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. He's shown who God is on the earth. Look at his life in the gospel. Look at what he did and how, again, as people saw that, as Nicodemus did when he came to him at night. He said, we know that no man can do these things except God be with him. Here is God in the flesh. There's no way these things can be done unless God be with him. You look at the things that he done, and they, they could not explain it. How is it that a man born blind can be given sight? There's no record of that. That's never taken place. That has to be from God. He's glorified God on this earth. He's shown us what indeed who we are. He's exposed us for what we are 
those who are lost and in need of redemption. If we could save ourselves, there was no need for Jesus to come. But we cannot save ourselves. We cannot earn our own salvation. We are dependent upon God. And we need Him in our life. I finished the work which you have given me to do. There was a job, there was a work that God gave Jesus. Go to the earth, live your life, show mankind who you are and who you belong to and understand that you are going to give your life as a redemption for the sins that mankind has committed so that they could have forgiveness of those sins when they confess them, repent of them, and turn to you for salvation. He's finished the work. He did what the Father gave him to do. He showed us who God is. He showed us what God is wanting from us. And he showed us how much God has loved us when he died on the cross. You read the crucifixion again. You read that in the brightest part of the day, Darkness on the face of the earth. You read or you see in that the depths of the love of the Father. Cannot see sin or sin or stand sin to turn and not to have what was taking place. You see the love of the Father and how much he loves you. As parents, as you know, and as some have experienced, I don't think there's a parent here that as a child that they love is dying, would not be willing to exchange places so that child may live. You think about God watching his son die. You think about Jesus who had the power as the Son of God to come down off that cross. Again, trying to show us the depths of their love for us as willful sinners of how much they desire our presence eternally in heaven with them. I finished the work that you gave me to do. Are we willing to understand the depths of that love that God has given or demonstrated for us? He continues to petition that he will no longer, verse 11, be in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. That love of the Father all the way through, the love of the Son all the way through this experience. Yes, known before the foundation of the world, planned before the foundation of the world, but knowing it ahead of time and experiencing it is something else. To see how much He loved you. You've given them to me, that we may be one. We may be as the Father, I mean, we may be as the Son, 
Father, if it be your will, find another way. But nevertheless, not my will. You hear that one? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We get to do that in our lives periodically. We get to find that sometimes the toughest decision is the surrender of ourselves to the will of God in all aspects of our life. But the greatest glory came through that sacrifice of Jesus and the sacrifice of the Father. There's a unity there. As the Son surrendered to the will of the Father, as we surrender to the will of the Father, there is a home prepared for us waiting in heaven. Will we trust Him? Will we follow Him? Sanctify them, verse 17, by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, set them apart. This is, this is what sets us apart from the world. This is what makes us complete. It's God's word. God's word is truth. There is no other truth. There's not a variety of truths out there. And there's not degrees of truth out there. God's word is truth. This is what sets us apart. This is what gives us hope of something far beyond this life. And as we experience in the physical life, as we grow and we've seen changes, as we've seen things that were important to us and as time has gone by, they've lost their importance. Again, it doesn't matter what age we are down to the smallest one here this evening. Whatever is there as time unfolds loses its importance to them. But the greatest thing that is there that doesn't lose its importance is salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything in this world is going to vanish away. Everything in this world is going to be burned up with intense heat. The soul will be eternal. And the question that we always will have to ask ourselves, where will we be eternally? Bring Christ to your broken lives, so marred by sin. And he will create anew and make whole again. Only God can do that. He can take a life marred by sin, and he can create it anew. It matters not where we are in life. It matters not how many times we have returned back to God. Whatever it is, however it may be, God is always able to take a life marred by sin and create it anew again to give hope of eternal life with Him.
For God has also given us the freedom to choose. Gave us the ability to look, to examine, to observe, but the freedom to choose. Each day that we live, He gives us the freedom to choose. Each day he li- we live, He's there to encourage us, choose wisely. Make the right choice. In his wisdom, he's always granted us time to make a change. As long as there's breath, there's life. As long as there's life, there's hope. We can always change. But we have to change. The invitation that has been offered this evening for one to become that child of God or to renew that life in Christ Jesus again is his invitation. We at a convenient time offer it this evening, but his invitation is open at any time that one needs to be changed. God is there to accept. As we sing this invitation song, listen to the words that we sing. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.